repeat your hello to the podcast people. Hello, podcast people. <laughs> it's pathetic, this. It's pathetic, Nick. You need to grow up. Do you know that? You need to shut up. Uh, what's happening, people? People on the live, who's here? Say hello. Um, if you're on listening on the podcast, you can say hello to yourself as well, if you like. As you're listening. Today is Q&A day. First Q&A day of the year, is it? Is it? No, it's not, is it? No, first one for the podcast. That's right, yeah, that's right. Well, actually, this will be episode 101, Nick. It will. That's fantastic news. Nicole, how are you? Um, right, should we get into the questions? I think let's flip it this year. Let's flip it. I'll go first. Let's make some changes. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> changes. <laughs> so I'll ask you the question first this year. Nicholas Michael Hanley. How to get the best use of Google business? Do you see why I flipped the question? Because <laughs> I don't know why I get it now. I haven't got a fucking clue. <laughs> Um, okay. I think first of all, <clears throat> Google your business is, is obviously for people to find you through the search engine. So you've got to, you've got to be quite specific in what you write in when you're actually setting it up. Um, as an example, You've really got to determine like your keywords of what describes, you know, basically what you do, who you work with, what your business is. And I think that's really, really important um, because you've got to think about if you go onto Google, you search for something very specific, you ask a question, don't you? Like, um, I don't know, find a personal trainer, nearest personal trainer or, or nearest gym or, um how to lose weight or how to build muscle or what protein or the, do you know what I mean? <clears throat> so you've got to, you've got to double down on your target market, like everything you say in regards to like your marketing, but very specifically through that. Um, that's the first thing. Um, so you'll enter that in. Um, I think a couple of other things is, Like any copy, write it for people, not for you, or if that makes sense. So you talk, you're actually talking to the person. Um, again, that's really important. Emphasize the location. Um, um, and I think the other thing is, is <clears throat> with search engines, you've got to, give people a place to go afterwards. Like if I click on to Google your business, you want to have a place for people to go, not just like your social media handles, more so your website, a landing page. Um, so that, I think that's really, really important because when people are on Google, it's not, it's not like Instagram. They're looking for reviews. They're looking for, a place to find out more, answer their questions, understand what it is. And you can enter some bits and pieces like pictures, explanations, um, what you do for a service. But I think you've got to point people in the right direction as well. Um, 
Um, anything else missed there? I don't think so. I think for the person who's asked the question, I think those are the starting points. Okay, next question. You don't want to add anything, Ant? No, I don't want to add anything. You sure? Yeah, I, I don't want to add anything. How would you deal with someone haggling over price of your service when you feel guilty because you know they are a great fit? Um... A couple of ways to view this, right? Uh, the first one would be is if price is a genuine issue is and you've done a decent enough needs analysis to understand the person, is there another product that that person can go into and still achieve the results that they want and need at a cheaper rate, i.e. small group training? Um, maybe that was targeted to the reply to this person's question because of small group training, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so like that might be an option for them to, to put them into a product that can still deliver a high level of frequency. So like SGPT can, and they still get a decent service off the back of it. So therefore it enables the outcome that this person needs and wants. Um, the other one would be to send them on their way with a bit of a plan and a roadmap from a distance of kind of, to maybe advise them to save up a bit of money because this is essentially what they need. And I think that's that's something that we need to stay on there like and focus on. If you have identified that they need, you've enabled this service that gets them to this outcome, you're confident this is what they need, you cannot budge off that. You can't budge off that. Because if you do and you drop sessions, volume of sessions that they have, or you drop other features of your service that you know for a fact will enable a result for them, at the end of the day, you're setting them up to fail. So if you come in from a client-centered way, which I know this person will, um, that shouldn't sit well. So maybe send them on the way with a bit of a light plan of here's a program, here's your calories, here's how you would potentially check in with me to um, just save up the money to be able to come in and this is how we'll keep in contact with each other. Um, by I mean checking, I don't mean that you feedback every single week. If they want a bit of accountability, maybe it's something that they do within your um, social media groups or whatever, but a bit of a light plan for them to save up money and come back to you in a month or two's time. Um, they That, for me, are the two options when people are haggling, haggling with you on price. Um, to then drop your volume of sessions or other features of your service, for me, is all wrong. Um, yeah, so that would be my answer to that. Any Anything else you want to add? Um, the only thing I would potentially throw out there as well is stick to the frequency, but maybe drop the, the actual time in front of you, as in, as in a quick example, instead of two hours a week, you drop it down to 30 minutes twice a week for the first month, and then have that review to then um, see where they're at after that first month. That's the only thing I would potentially throw out there. That way you stick into like your, your programming values, non-negotiables of frequency. Um, you're, you're leaving the door open and being open and honest about having the review and seeing where they are after a month. 
And also it gives them the opportunity to feel and feel and experience the value, um, which is a big thing and the value behind frequency. So um, yeah, it's the only thing I'd add. Cool. Next one, how would you manage inquiries that come in once I've run out of spaces in process of dropping shifts? So we'll be able to take them on soon, but I don't want to waste their initial motivation by having them wait. I have a consult, have a consult anyway, then nurture, have a consult anyway, then nurture or wait until spaces are available. Um, I, first of all, I think determine that time frame so you know exactly what, yeah, exactly kind of how long you've got until the space is open. Um, I think that's really important. Otherwise, you're leaving them up in the air because you're up in the air as well, um, in limbo a little bit. So that's the first thing. Second thing is um, I would definitely 100% still do the consultations. Absolutely. I think that's bang on because I think what you can ultimately do is provide something between now and when the spaces become available, whether that's whether that's a simple program, whether that's a bit of online coaching, whether that's working on the nutrition for the next few weeks, whatever it looks like um, for that individual based on the consultation, um, I think you can fit those in and almost then prep them for what is about to come in X amount of weeks. Hopefully, you know, we're going to kick off the, the full program here, but in the meantime, we're going to prep you for it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, that's one option. Um, another option could be if you've got two, three, if you've got quite a number of leads in, you could think about consolidate leveraging time a little bit and doing small group training. Um, you could look at your current client base, see if you can leverage any of those together. So, yeah, but the first one I think is probably the one I'd go to. How many times should you follow up on a follow up on a lead like every month or week um i think you as soon as they become a lead they have to be in your network of i don't know emails for example um so if they once you've data collected to like pre-qualify them as a lead they should already in my opinion get i think we talked about this last night but they they, they should get weekly emails from you that are relevant content-based some spur based emails where they reply to some of the questions that you ask that type of stuff. Um, I think that's really important. So they're still getting follow up. Um, would I check in with them? It depends on the volume of leads that you're talking, but would I check if you want to 10 a week, then would I check in with just an open ended, an open message at some point in my week and schedule that into my week? Probably just how's it going? How's things off the back of that program I gave you? I gave you. How's it going in the gym off the back of that technique correction? Correction I give you. Maybe that's on social media or by text or whatever. Um, I probably, if it's not to ten amount of volume of leads per week, I would probably schedule at some point in my week just to personalize a text to them. Um, but as you get busier and you generate more leads, you just clearly can't sustain that. So then that's when your nurture series of emails for pre-qualifying leads becomes really important. And maybe putting in like a really targeted nurture series to MailChimp or whatever mail software that you use, where it's targeted at 
um, people who have inquired and people who have come through a specific process. And then you really nurture them into a point of your call to action of whatever that is. So uh, the long and short is it is I would do weekly, definitely. Nick? Um, I think if you're, I think if it's like, as an example, if someone is in, I would agree with you, Anne, in regards to those, that nurturing series or basically what happens if, because I'm trying to think about what they mean by lead. I had a consultation and then do they follow up after that? Do they mean, if that's the case, in a consult, I'd put some time constraint on them confirming the program. That's the only thing I'd add, just thinking, thinking about that, but nothing else to add. Uh, right, next question. <clears throat> Top tips for a free challenge. I'm thinking a seven day, simple as possible, either workouts using the app as a trial or a step challenge. Um, I think both are great ideas. I think absolutely keep it as simple as possible when it comes to like what the actual challenge is or the accountability is. Um, I think which one you choose depends on the demographic you are, you are looking for. Um, you know, as an example, a step challenge might be for people who are finding it hard to get to the gym, maybe a little bit nervous, maybe um, apprehensive about going, um, haven't got a lot of time, want to basically start somewhere and be a part of a little community where the workouts are probably for people who are actually potentially already in the gym, um, plateauing a little bit, lack of motivation, lack of structure, lack of confidence if they're doing the right thing. So, yeah, I think it depends. Both are great. Um, I think it depends on who you're targeting. That's the first thing. Absolutely keep it simple. I think a massive tip is bring, like, keep the actual um, challenge or accountability simple, but then over-deliver in regards to showing up to, whether you're doing this through a Facebook group, whether you're doing this through a WhatsApp group, whether you're doing this, However way you're curating that community, you showing up more and more, jumping on camera, asking questions, engaging with them as much as possible, I think that's a big differentiator. Um, whereas you keep the actual process as simple as possible so it's easy for people to understand, do, they feel competent in doing it, they can feel success in doing it, um, they can rally around each other. I think that's a big, big thing. So... Yeah, and I think just explain what, yeah, it goes back to that demographic again. It's like, what is it going to give people? Um, how is it going to make them feel? What is the outcome from it? Et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a really big part of the puzzle when you are <clears throat> promoting it. Anything else? No. How can I achieve my higher priced packages? What else can I offer? Achieve. Oh, enhance. Sorry, I've completely misread that. How can I enhance my higher priced packages? All right, three minutes. Um, all right. 
think first of all, when we start to think about how can I sell the, the higher price kind of package and service that you've got in your business, you automatically think that people need to get more with bells and whistles on it and fucking, I don't know. Um, now, obviously, every single, every single business can always be better. And I think what's important is that you audit your business that each client gets and the service that each client gets and start to maybe brainstorm what you want to prioritize to improve, right? So that's one thing. But from a higher price service perspective, that should come off the back of your understanding of the person and their needs. So for example, right, if you were to lay out all of your chargeable services that I know this person offers and the majority of PTs offers, which is coaching, check-in, nutrition setup, and maybe support with that, um, programming for away from you, programming when with you, maybe the Facebook or whatever community that you put together, and then any add-ons, whether that's like um, video series, education series for clients, whether it's welcome packs, recipe books, whatever it is, right? They're the main features of most personal trainer service. Now, all of that is relevant. But then what we have to do is meet the people, meet the person where they're at. So, for example, if I've identified that Nick's not confident in the gym, he's not got a high training age, he's fairly new to it and all of that. Well, Nick's going to need more of my service in terms of more volumes of sessions per week to provide him with confidence and competence. So therefore, because he's increased the volume of sessions, his price gets higher. So he would be on the higher end. Of the, of the personal training service. So that he might be £400 a month, for example. So I don't think it's about, of could it be this VIP service that people get and it's so much more than everything else? I actually don't. I actually more so think it's that once you've met the person where they're at and clearly identified their needs and wants and built out the relevant service for them, if the, they need more coaching service, if they need two check-ins a week, if they need additional support on nutrition, then clearly they're going to get, like they're going to have to pay more. So in a nutshell, I don't think it's about enhancing the, the price and the service that's already there because I know what's there already. I think it's more so enhancing your understanding of the person as you onboard them to meet, match a service that meets their needs, which might be a higher end price. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, anything you'd add to that? Um, the only thing I'd add is, is just trying, and I guess this is a different conversation, but just trying to asking yourself why you want to earn more per person, why you want to increase your yield. Um, cause there is a sweet spot, I think, you know, because if you go, in my opinion, you know, if you go really, really high end, high ticket prices or whatever you want to label it as i tried to stop myself saying that it just means more in my opinion it means like a hell of a lot more time invested that one individual yeah. which then just balances out because obviously for example if you're like if you're when when someone comes along and, and i'm sure you've had clients like this they want to train like four or five times a week and it's an absolute nightmare sometimes <laughs> 
It really, really is because um, you're putting just as much, if not more time into this person. And actually when you break that down over, over time, um, first of all, it, for the average person, it, it's, it's too much. So the longevity of it is questionable. Um, and it always balances out anyway. And if you lose that big high, high paying client, that's a big, big chunk out of your wage. It's a big, big chunk out of your finances. So I think there's a sweet spot is my point. You know, I think there's a sweet spot of um, having people on your books at, at the price that is reflecting the service you offer. Um, yeah, and if it's a kind of a case of you need to leverage more time, I think looking at different services um, is the way to go, really. More automated services is the way to go. It's a difficult one. Hopefully. Generally, though, I think with price increase, you know, your prices, let's forget about services, extra qualifications, more experience, just based on like living wages going up, costs going up, uh, inflation going up. It should kind of follow that same trend and reflection. But anyway, agree. No, it's a good question. That though, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, next one's a really good question as well. Um, how to find your feet again after time off work? Oh, I had this last night actually, didn't I? Yeah. I. Look, I think the obvious things I'm going to say is, but I think work nine times out of ten. Um, and just to re just to kind of go over what we spoke about last night with with uh, with some of the guys as well, I think first of all, facing up to where your business is right now is is very difficult. Can be demotivating, but use it as a kind of a uh, a line in the sand, so to speak. And I say that because you know people have had a couple of weeks off. Um, had some downtime over Christmas, not looked at their business particularly, or maybe even ignored is a wrong, the wrong word. Avoided is probably a better word, looking at where they're at. Um, so I think, first of all, kind of face up to that. Easier said than done. But then use that as a springboard to kind of plan, you know, plan your week, pl prioritise your, your tasks, prioritise your clients, prioritise your marketing look at what you want to achieve like just short term i think is a good you know get through january in uh have a short-term focus but then it's always going to come back to you know really doubling down and committing to what you want to achieve this year um which should motivate the hell out of you in my opinion anything else short and sweet really would it no 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 um I think we, what we talked about last night for anyone listening to this that's probably going to relate is that you have that time off over Christmas and then what you do is push, like Nick's just said, you push that kind of thought of work away and it just makes you feel worse and worse and worse. And I think this is where if you're going to stick the brakes on from feeling that way, because um, we talked about last night, it becomes like a bit of paralysis by analysis. I know I've got all of these things to do, but I don't want to start because 
a little bit like I can't be asked, a little bit of demotivation, um, and a little bit of probably fear as well of maybe maybe getting things wrong, etc., or whatever. So with anything like that, just like your clients, it's like you have to reignite that internal motivation. And the only way you're going to do that is by sitting down and really brainstorming and getting stuck into your goals and then put actionable steps in, in place for a, from a strategy perspective <coughs> to help you get going. Um, that's the only way around it, like in my opinion. It's the only way around it. And I think also relating this to your clients, it's like start to highlight if you've seen success from something, what would that be? Because at first we might need these little wins to, to get us going. Um, yeah, that's it. Next one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Please just talk me through a basic onboard process for online coaching. Step one, they have DM'd me. Final step, they're on. They're all set up and good to go. Feel I'm missing an information pack to inform leads what online coaching is, how it works. So guests would come before my coaching inquiry form at the start. Um, I also have a pre-consult form, then book in a consultation call, then sign them up, and then I drip feed them more info, like my welcome pack, how to set up my fitness pal calories. Um, calorie guide, how to video links, etc. All right, I think there's two things that we need to cover on this. Maybe a third one. I think the first thing is is that what online coaching is, etc., is irrelevant to the client um, initially. It's like what coaching is like with you should come across within your marketing. So they should get that that feeling of I know what it's like to work with this person because of X, Y, and Z marketing, the social proof, the stories, the conversations, this is what it's like, the results, all of that. That should come from your marketing, right? So when someone then becomes interested, your step one of your um, onboarding process could be a DM, an inquiry form. Bear in mind that I'm talking about this from a one-to-one -one coaching perspective, online coaching perspective. Let's remove the label of online for a minute. So coaching perspective from a one-to-one -one point of view, there might be an inquiry form, an automated response on your email or DMs that takes them to the inquiry form, right? Now, alternatively to that, to back up your point about them then understanding what the, 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 what the product is more, what online coaching is more, is for me what good looks like is a landing page explaining what it is, um, how it works, the results people have got, the stories behind it, all of that type of stuff. For me, they've become interested off the back of your marketing. So they've got an understanding of what coaching is like with you. And then they go through to this landing page and that tells them what that product of online coaching is like and, and what, um, what it does, all of that type of stuff. So that would be the natural next stage. Now, if they're one-to-one -one, from there, if you, the basic call to action, in my opinion, so step two or three, wherever we're at now, um, would be to do a pre-consultation form. They filled out this form that gives you a brief understanding of this person's past, current situation, where they want to go. You know all of that. Then if it's a person that you don't know, you've not talked to, it's a cold lead, I would 100 million percent for a one-to-one -one coaching person online or face-to-face -face, would have a call to go over that pre-consultation, right? That then would be based off a few questions off the back of the pre-consult, 20, 30 minutes, where you dig into a little bit more detail to start to unpack what it is this person really needs, okay? 
if you get the feeling and the vibe that this would be a decent online coaching would be right for this person, they're fairly competent, can crack on on their own. Um, or even if they're a beginner, they just need elements of distance-based support, all that type of stuff. Then you would take them to a consult call where you go through goal setting in detail. And off the back of that information, you then roadmap their, their kind of goals to get to where they want to be. Um, so that for me would be the probably four-step process to bringing them in. As they you onboard them as a client, then it would be video series, welcome packs, that type of stuff. Um, the same as it would be any specific client coming in for face-to-face -face or one-to-one. -one. The only time that this would change, in my opinion, in an onboarding process is this, if it's a lower barrier group-based generalized program for online coaching, uh, where you're doing an intake, maybe an eight-week intake and so on, you probably wouldn't do the pre-consultation call. They'd probably still get the, the form filled in, but then you would just get basically get them to buy more or less straight away. That's it. Anything else, Nick? best ways to adapt best ways to go about adapting programs when the gym is busy and you struggle to get on what you have planned great question mm. um i think having a very very clear objective of what that training phase is is going to be key to that and the reason why i say that is we put a lot of emphasis on the move on the exercises we want them to do rather than that, what the outcome of the session and training phase is over that four week period. So I think when you think about, I want to do, I planned in a back squat and I can't get on it. What am I going to do now versus I planned in um, a knee dominant exercise. That's going to be a compound movement. Um, this is my preferred, but this is still going to get the same or similar outcome if squat racks are busy, et cetera, et cetera. So I think having a very clear understanding and, and keeping that, let's say that um, high level view of what the objectives are of the, of the actual training phase and the session plans, I think is really important um, because I could sit here and go, well, you've obviously got um a movement continuum for for all the different movements you can go through right and i'm not going to sit here and go well if you haven't got a barbell then do this and then do that and then do this and do that it's teaching you to suck eggs but i think having that objective of looking at the, the potential um objective of the program the session plans um and really having that in the forefront of your mind and then also having maybe some planned um movements which you know are similar movement pattern the same movement pattern same kind of um philosophy behind it that you're trying to get out and just have those contingent plans to go to i think it's really important because it makes you less reactive um and you can just move on to the next or the next or the next or or whatever if things are being used so so yeah i think that that's the best that's the thing i'd, I'd go to um, yeah, that's the thing I'll go to. Anything else on that one? No, I don't want to overcomplicate it because it's something that we can talk about all day. Um, next one, mate. Do you think we as PTs focus too much on social media marketing 
<clears throat> and not enough on retention and delivering value to current clients. It, that's really hard to say without knowing the ins and outs of every PT's business. Um, I think you could make a general observation and say, yeah. Um, I, I think PTs, I think PTs spend too much focus or put too much focus on social media marketing than they do understanding people. And therefore, once they understand people better or their clients better coming into their business, they can deliver a better service. Um, so therefore get better retention. So absolutely. But social media has to play a, a role in bringing leads into your business in, in most cases, in most cases. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because I could judge and say, well, yeah, 100%, this is why PT struggle XYZ. But the biggest thing that PT struggle with the most is lead generation and marketing normally once you convert people into your business retention for, for a lot of PTs isn't a problem. Um, so I think a lot of personal trainers concentrate their time on the wrong thing. So putting all of their eggs in the Instagram basket, for example, when there's other, a lots of other ways to, to market, to get a bigger bang for your book. So like the gym floor, for example, um, it's, I find it complete madness sometimes that PTs spend more times on their phone. Um, and more time doing their own training uh, across a week, for example, than they actually do speaking to people on the gym floor when there's thousands of members there. I find that mad. So it's more so prioritizing that time better. Social media has to play a part, but also you have to deliver a world-class service to retain your clients. So it's it's a difficult one to say. Um, there, sh there should be a decent share of, of, of both, but you, like I keep saying, I'm wrapping a bit here, but like I keep saying, like, Social media has to play a role, as does email for some people, local area business, business to business, cross promotion, um, networking, gym floor, like it all plays a role, dependent on your demographic. So I think the work has to go into understanding the person that you want to attract, what then will help them stay and retain in your business deliver a great product and service. And then therefore your marketing becomes easier off the back of it. So you'll spend less time doing it, if that makes sense. Went around the houses on that one, fucking hell. Um, Nick, anything you'd add? Um, I think generally, yeah. I think if you're questioning, like, am I spending too much time on social, social media marketing? Have I got the right balance? I think it will always come down to you having very clear and committed goals, you know, I think that is really important. Um, I think you'll know, you'll know like what, what time to, to spend on what um, in your business and on your business when you're fully committed to your goal and you fully understand what you're looking to achieve through using social media. Um, let's be honest, like everybody spends too much time on social media. Um, but I think when it comes to your business, like is, are you getting the return? Are you putting the right message out? What is the objective behind it? How does that, how does that objective fit into the rest of your business goals? I think those are the key things to ask. Generally, I think everyone does. I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's one of them, isn't it? Like it just depends. Depends on your business and the person, but in general, yeah. 
Next question. Please advise what the spur response was for applying to messages and emails. Can only find references to cowboy boots and football teams on Google. Um, I can't remember anything about that. So, yeah, spur is spelled S-P-E-R-R. So it's short, personal, expecting a response. So basically, you're doing an email, like I might send an email to Nick. Oh, like, oh, right. I might send an email to Nick and go, Nick, how's your New Year's goals getting on? And that's really personal. Whereas most PTs, um, when they think about emails and email lists and email marketing, they think about sending long form copy. And what we talked about last night is mixing it up. Because if you're constantly putting out content on social, putting out content on, um, on email, then now and again, getting a short personal kind of base. Like big companies are good with this. Like they'll have a tagline um, that, sorry, the subject line might be, um, I don't know. How's your New Year's goals going, Anthony? And then you're like, what the hell? How have they got that? How have they got my information? They'll literally feel like they're asking me a question there and it's dead personal. So you'll open the email and be like, um, there might be a bit of bump about goal setting or goals orientated stuff or people falling off the wagon. How's it going for you, mate? Or something like that. Just very short, very personal. And it expects a response from the consumer. And it actually works extremely well on email as long as you're consistent. So that's what that's what it is. Anything else, Nick? Have we got any more questions? No. I think the only thing that we need to add at this point is if you've got to the end of the podcast, because there's been some class questions today, is that on Friday, will this be going out? Well, by this time that this goes out, we will be on sale for the next opportunity. Sunday, this will go out. Sunday. So we'll be on, will it? Yes. Well, Wednesday, PT. Tomorrow. Okay. Um, okay, then. It's very direct, Nick. Um, yeah, so when this goes out, we will be on sale for the next opportunity to work with us with a business transformation program, which has had a bit of a spruce up. A bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of a spruce up. Um, where there'll be mentoring calls, group mentoring calls, lots of content, basically just a massive kick up the ass to get your business in order in a, in a fairly short space of time, but then we will guide and lead you off the back of that um, and mentor you further so it's not just the, the six to eight weeks it's we'll, we'll continue to do that going forward so it's a new format of the program and that launches on sale from friday what's the date on friday 17 um, day 14th day 14th you dick <laughs> you dick friday the 14th you can tell we've, we've um lost the plot building up to this so Friday the 14th, we launch another intake. So if you want to learn more, know more of that tackle, go to the usual socials place because the link will be there to, to find out more. And that's that, ladies and gents. Nicholas, I hope that I don't see you again today. Um, I hope I don't see you again for the rest of the week, but right. we don't all get what we want, do we? On that, note, on that note, people, have a great week, day, Bye. wherever you are. Bye-bye.